about the goodness of God. And you know, the thing about it is, is it's really a subject that we, we shouldn't have to talk about. But the problem is, is so often we've, we've gotten this false image, this false impression of who God really is. We don't see him as a good God. We see him as a God that's just waiting for us to mess up. We don't, in, in fact, in the world, you know, no offense insurance people, you know, but we, we see it on our insurance policies with that any disaster that they can't, you know, they, they may not mention it, they, they end it with any other act of God. You know, as if God's the one that's gonna bring death and destruction into the world. He's the one that came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. It's the thief that's come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, oftentimes we've gotten this false image of God and of who he really is. But I want us to see that he's a, he's a good God. And you know, when we look at the different individuals in the in the New Testament, we see it over and over again that uh, God does good in their life. You know, we uh, see the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery and she saw the goodness of God. We see the woman at the well uh, and uh, Jesus didn't judge her, Jesus showed her his goodness. You know, we have the example of the man at uh, the pool of Bethesda who had been sick for all those many years and you know and Jesus says uh, you know do you want to be whole and instead of saying yes the guy made all kinds of excuses why he wasn't healed but even in spite of that Jesus healed him he showed him his goodness and so what I want us to to see how is how good God really is because I believe that if we can see his goodness, there's a, there's a draw there. There's, there's a greater desire to enter into his presence and experience him as we never have before. And so I wanna talk with you today about the goodness of God. And I believe that as you hear the goodness of God in the name of Jesus, it's gonna minister life and hope to you. And where you felt hopeless in the past, you can look to God and know that because he is so good, he's gonna produce in my life that which is needful for me to have the victorious life. You know, the Bible says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. My faith in the completed works of God. My faith in believing that Jesus did exactly what he said he would do in the scriptures. And when we can put our trust and our confidence, when we can put our faith in that, there isn't anything that can, can hinder us, that can destroy us from being victorious. We see the goodness of God from the very beginning. You know, we look at creation and, and what we don't really realize, uh, I think oftentimes, is that creation was for you and me. God created the world not because he had to have a bunch of stuff around him, he created the world because he was going to bring you and I into this world. And so he created what he created for you and I. And uh, so I want us to look at creation for just a moment. 
If you've got your Bibles, you can turn them to Genesis, the first chapter. They'll be up on the board. But I'm going to begin reading in the ninth verse. And I want you to notice, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified because it amplifies. And so uh, <clears throat> it begins in the ninth verse, and it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be collected into one place of standing, and let the dry land appear, and it was done. And God called the dry land earth and uh, accumulated the waters. He called seas. And God saw that it was good, admirable, fitting, and he approved it. God saw that it was good. But I like what it adds there. It says, admirable, that it was fitting. It's created so that it would be fitting for you and I. And the reason that it was good was because it was going to be good for you and I. And then it goes on into the 11th verse. And it says, And God said, Let the earth put forth tender vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees yielding fruit, each according to its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kind, trees bearing fruit in which uh, was their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, suitable, admirable, and he approved it. It was good. And so what God created was good. And 13th verse, And there was evening and there was morning a third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse in the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs and tokens of God's uh, provident care and to mark seasons, years, or days and years. 15th verse. And let them be uh, for lights in the expanse of the sky uh, to give light upon the earth. And so it was. And God made the, great, the two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to rule the day, and the lesser light, the moon, to rule the night. And he also made the stars. And God set them in the expanse in the heavens and to give light upon the earth, to rule every day and over the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, fitting, pleasant. And he approved it. And there was evening, and there was the morning, and the fourth day. And God said, let us make waters. And so we see that he, he, he makes the waters in the 21st verse at the end of it, after he'd, the animals and the birds and so forth. And God saw that it was good, suitable, admirable, and he approved of it. And so once again, it was good, and he gave its approval. And then the fifth day, and there was the livestock, and so on and so forth, and the end of it. And, he, and God uh, saw that it was good and pleasant, and he approved of them. And so what I want to see over and over again, what God did was good. And he created it for you and I. And then we get into the, uh, into the, to the next days, and, and again he calls it good. And, and then when we get down to the 31st verse, 
uh, and, 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 and into the second chapter, we see that he created man. Isn't it interesting? He created and, and, and created an environment for man before he placed man in the environment. And so with all of his creation, God looks at it and he says, this, this is good, it's good. You know, as men, we can relate to that, you know, because everything's good. You know, sometimes my wife would just like me to enjoy something a little more than just good. How was that dinner? It's good, you know, it, it's good. But then it says that he created man and he placed man in the earth. And after he placed man in the earth, God really extended himself. And he said it was very good. Why was it very good? Because now it was finally complete. You know, you can, you can have something and it can be good, but it really isn't very good until it reaches its potential, or it's able to fit in what it was really created for. You know, a lot of us live life and it's good. But you know, God doesn't want us to have just a good getting by life. He wants us to have a life that's very good. And when it's very good is when we, when we fit into the place where we've been created to be. When we see around us what, what God has created, the environment that he has created for us to fit into so that we can fulfill his plan, so that he can fulfill his purpose in each of our lives. You know, I, I think most people, they just go through life and it's good. But they don't have the very good because they've not adapted to or they've not fit into what God has really created them to be. God has a place for you. It's not supposed to be just good. It's supposed to be very good. Everything that he's created, you know, man was created a spirit being. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. Think about this. We were created in the image of God. God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were created a triune human being, spirit, soul, and body, so that we could fit into God's creation, so that we could fellowship with him. Think about the, the relationship that man had with God. The Bible says that, that in the cool of the day, in the cool of the evening, they walked with one another. They talked with one another. You know, and, and, and when we think of God, we don't even think of it in that terms. We think about prayer and we think about finding some place and get down on our knees and, oh, most holy heavenly Father, we thankest thou that me, such a miserable worm, has this opportunity to come into thy presence. <laughs> you know, and we get all religious about it. But see, Adam, I don't think Adam, when he was walking with God in the cool of the night, said, How beest thou, Father, as Godest? 
Now he said, how are you, Dad? How are you, Father? And they fellowshiped with one another. And I think the hindrance that we have in our relationship with God is that we identify it with something formal, with something religious. And God wants to have intimacy with you and I. And you know what? You can only have intimacy with God once you realize that he's good, that everything that he desires for you is good. He's not the one that's, that's brought that evil circumstance or situation in your life. But let me tell you something. He's a solution for it. He's the answer for it. He can give you the victory where there appears to be no hope. Why? Because he's a good God. And he wants to manifest his goodness in your life and in my life. You know, isn't it interesting? He created man and placed him in the garden. And after he had man in the garden, God says, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. Let me tell you something. There's circumstances in our life that it's not good. But God's the one that has an answer for it. And oftentimes what we want to do is, going back to the offering again, we want to use our own understanding. We want to use our own wisdom. We want to trust in ourselves rather than put our trust and put our confidence in Him. And so we come up with our own plan. And how that's been working for you lately? Well, I can speak for myself that my plans, apart from God's plan, doesn't do too well. And so we need to trust in Him. Notice what he says in Genesis 2.18. It says, Now the Lord said, It is not good, sufficient, satisfactory. I like that. When it wasn't good, in the eyes of God, it wasn't satisfactory. You need to start taking a look at some things in your life. And you need to look at it and you need to say, You know what? This isn't satisfactory. Why isn't it satisfactory? Because it's not producing goodness in your life, and because it's not producing goodness, it means it's not God. And so we need to go back to the Word. Just for your information, I'm not upset. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really intense right now. Because I want you to get a hold of this, because I want you to have the victory that's been made available to you manifest in your life. I don't know about you, when I see somebody that I love, when I see somebody that I care about, and they're getting kicked around, I don't like it very much. I don't like that in their life. That's not good. That's not satisfactory. And I want you to know that God is looking in your life, and, and there's things that are not as they ought to be. And God isn't saying, oh, that's good enough for them. You know, they screwed up last week. <laughs> you know, so they just, they just got what they deserved. That's man's wisdom. That's our understanding. That's not how God looks at it. It's not satisfactory if you're not walking in victory in every area of your life. So how do we find that victory? Well, we stop relying on our own understanding. We begin to depend upon him. How do we depend upon him? By finding out the truth of his word. And so here we go back again to Genesis 2, and it says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good, sufficient, satisfactory, that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper 
suitable, adapted, completing for him. I'll create a helper that is suitable. When you have a situation in your life, God wants to create a situation that's suitable. Something that you can have life in, that you can experience victory in. In Proverbs 18, 22, and again, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says, whoever finds a true wife finds a good thing. Amen. But see, what I want you to see in this, it isn't just about finding a wife. It's about finding or realizing that God has goodness for you. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains God's favor. <clears throat> Last week we talked about favor. We need to get in a place where we obtain God's favor because he wants to bring about circumstances. He wants to bring about situations. He wants our life to be suitable for what Jesus has purchased for us. Because we've got to understand something. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus has done for you and I that brings that victory into our life in every area. In James 1.17, it says, every good, everybody say good. Every good. Not most good, not some good, not a pretty good portion of good. No, it says, every good and perfect, free, long, full gift is from above and comes down from the Father of all, who gives light in the shining of, in whom there is no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning, as in the eclipse. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. You know, so whatever we have in our life that's good, it's from God. And so what we need to do is we need to begin to have a a heart of gratitude, a thankful heart, and begin to thank him for what we have. You know what we do is we focus on what we don't have. You know, we, we all got a glass that ha that's half empty rather than a glass that's half full. And we need to begin to focus on the goodness of God. We need to begin to focus on what he's produced and given us in our life. And when we do that, what happens is that glass begins to fill up with the goodness because that's what we're focusing on. But you know what? We, 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 live, in, we live in such a negative world. You know, I, I, you know, of course, you've heard me on this soapbox in the past. I, I, I can hardly stand to watch the news because everything's negative. They can't say anything positive about anybody. I mean, actually, I, I can't hardly even stand to watch the, the sports. Because the sports is all negative. They can't talk about the good that's taken place. It, it, it's, all, it's all negative. I and mean, it was pretty negative yesterday. You know, but but it, 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 it's horrible. What about, what about the goodness of God? I heard, a, I heard a, a guy sharing one time. He said that he had made the determination uh, that he wasn't going to watch the news or the weather or anything anymore because it was so, until they started going positive. Then he'd begin to 
to listen to it again. And he was, he was staying in a hotel and he was flipping through the channels and, and he, he picked up this weatherman. And the weatherman says, you know, it, it, it says that it's, uh, there, there's storms that are going to be coming into the Fort, Fort Worth area. But we all know that that's Kenneth Copeland area. And we know that Copeland won't allow that. He'll speak against it. And the guy says, I like this guy. And he says, so every time he's in that town, he watches the weather. Because what he does, he goes all over the country and he knows the preachers in the different parts of the country. And he says, oh, they say there's a storm that coming, that's coming in that area. But we know that that's where so-and-so is. And he'll rise up and he'll take authority over it in Jesus' name. So don't worry about it in your community. That's just what the reports say. You know what? Why do we listen to the negative reports? We've got a report that is far, far greater, far, far better than any news media can give us. It's the report that God's given us in his word. And it's a more sure thing than anything the world can throw at us. You know, we had uh, baptism today. And it says that in Matthew 7, he talks about the children and, we, and they're, they're gifts from God. And so they're a good thing. You know, there, there, there's so many reports out there right now of the abuse and so forth that's taken place with the children. And I'll tell you why there is. Because they represent how good God is. And so the enemy wants to destroy anything that represents the goodness, the, the innocence of God. And so the thief has come but for to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to bring your life. And so God's gifts are all good. He's given us the gift of healing, the gift of prosperity. And, and what they are, are they're his different graces that have been made available to us. And they're all good. But we turn away from him. We look in the other direction rather than looking at what he has truly provided for each and every one of us. The ultimate representation of God's goodness is Jesus. That he came. Even though we were lost in our sin, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Jesus came. And he paid the price so that we might have life. Let me tell you if, you, if you ever doubt the goodness of God, all you have to do is look to Jesus. Think about how good God is, that he loved you and I so much, that he is willing to sacrifice his son Jesus for you and me so that his goodness could be demonstrated to you and I. You know, it's so amazing to me. There's individuals, they reject it. They choose to not believe that Jesus came and paid the price for your sins and mine. And the reason that they reject it, they may not say this, but ultimately they reject it because they reject the idea of the goodness of God. You know, you look at any other any of the religions of the world. And you won't see God as good. 
All you see are rules and regulations that you have to abide by. Why? So that you can gain the favor of God. And it's always amazing to me the number of people that will so quickly cling to and adapt themselves to that kind of teaching. But you know what? It's easy because most of us were raised in that kind of an environment. Most of us were raised with the do's, the don'ts, the have-to's. And so what happens is it's something that we can identify, it, not spiritually, but we identify with it in the natural, in the physical realm. But what we have to do is we have to come to the point we, where we, we reject that. That my goodness is not determined by, by my behavior. My goodness is determined by what Jesus was willing to do for me so that I might have life and that I might have it abundantly. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians. Let's read something in the New Testament. It's where we live. Amen? In Ephesians, the second chapter, I want to begin reading in the fourth verse. But God. I don't always like the buts in the scriptures. But this is one I really like. And it says, but God, who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. That means he's got more than enough. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with it which he loved us. When you read the scriptures, do you make it personal? Listen, this, this, is, this, is, this is very personal. This, this ought to be intimate with each and every one of us. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, with which he loved me. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. You know somebody loves you when they love you in spite of you. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You know, even, you know, when your breath stinks and you haven't taken a shower and somebody loves you just because they love you. You know, <clears throat> I babysat yesterday and the, the supreme act of love I had to demonstrate as a grandfather because Will filled his pants, you know. I just, I just don't do that, man. I, I just, you know, dirty diapers, that's what, that's what women are for. Come on, guys, give me an amen. Come on, come on, come on, let's, let's hear it, come on. Come on, somebody give me an amen on that one. You're a bunch of cowards. Oh, now I know. You know, Pastor Dave's a chauvinist. <laughs> well, if that's being a chauvinist, yes, I am. But you know what? I changed it. You know, 
I've, I've done it before. I've, I've done it before. <clears throat> Not if there was a woman around. I even loved him in spite of his poopy diaper. You know, but it's kind of the mess we're in a lot of time. But he loves us. And so he says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. So it's not what we've done, it's what, it's what Jesus has done for us. It's, it's that unmerited, it's un, undeserved. I mean, if we were still lost in sin and Jesus came for us, obviously there had been absolutely nothing that we had done to earn it or deserve it. Can you say amen to that? Should have been a stronger amen, but we'll settle for it. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Well, when is that? That's now. He's wanting to show his goodness to you and I now. People say, well, Pastor, that's talking about when we go to heaven. We, we'll be in the very presence, the very essence of goodness when we get to heaven. We won't need it showing to us then. We need it now. Like I shared last week, I won't need healing when I get to heaven. There's no sickness there. I need it now. I won't need prosperity when I get to heaven. There'll be no lack. There'll be no need there. I need it now. We'll be in the very presence of God. That means we'll be in the very presence of peace and joy and patience and all those good attributes. And so when we're in heaven, we won't need them because we will be them because we're in the presence of it. When do we need it? Now. When we enter into a difficult time and we feel like all hell is breaking loose in our life, and we need some peace. I need it now. But you know what? I can't work it up. But I know the one who is peace, who lives within me, who's made peace available to me. And if I will but draw upon him, that peace will be released in my life. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's not of your doing. For by grace you've been saved, through faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. Grace is what God has poured forth in our life. Every one of the promises that have been made available to us, they're the graces of God. But we receive them by faith. We say, that belongs to me because I belong to Jesus. And he lives on the inside of me. And so I need peace now, and therefore I can reach out and I can take it because it belongs to me. And I begin to thank him for it. You see, we focus on the problem rather than the answer. That's really what faith is. Faith is focusing on the answer, not on the problem. Faith is calling those things that be not as though they were. What be is the problem. 
But Jesus is the answer. So we don't focus on the problem. We focus upon the answer. We focus upon the word of God. And we walk in the victory. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. No less than when God created the world, and at the end of that creation, he looked upon each element of his creation, and he said, it's good. God created you and he, the gifts that you have, the person you are, that is a gift from God. You're his creation and he has a plan. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. And when he looks upon that plan, when he looks upon that pur purpose, he looks at it and he says, it's good. And so no longer look in that mirror and think, oh my goodness, what a mess. You need to look in that mirror and you need to say, what God has done, he did a good job. And he's going to use his creation for his purpose. He's going to fulfill his plan. And he's going to do it through me. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Think about this. You have been created for good works. But you know what? You'll never step over into it until you see that the Creator was good. Until you see that He is so good that what He produced in you was good. Now, bad things may have happened to you, but that wasn't because of God's plan and His purpose. It was because the destroyer came along and tried to wipe you out. But the Bible says that which the enemy intended for evil, it says God will take it and He'll turn it about for good. And so that very thing in your life that the enemy intended for destruction, God is turning it around and he's going to use it for good. In other words, you're going to be able to touch the lives of other people with the goodness of God because you know that he's good. You know that you could have never made it through without his grace and his mercy operating in your life. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what's cool? You are so blessed. Do you know why you are so blessed? Because you don't have to be me. You just have to be you. God created you to be you. And what's so cool about that is I don't have to look to the person next to me and judge them because they just have to be who God created them to be. And you know what? None of us are walking in it in perfection yet. That would have been a good time for an amen. None of us are. But you know what? We're walking in the right direction. We're taking one step at a time. 
It's a what about Bob moment. Y'all remember the movie, What About Bob? Bob? Oh, I love that movie. I usually don't watch movies to find spiritual connotations in them, but that one's so full of it. I mean, it's full of it. You know, but, but remember, remember the book that Dr., what was his name? Neil Marvin. Neil Marvin wrote, and the title of the book was Baby Steppin'. You know, we may not, we may not may be making big steps, but you know what? If we're baby-stepping, we're making progress. I, mean, I heard a preacher say this one time. He says, you know, God doesn't expect perfection from us. He just expects progress. And that progress that we make in our life may be just one little baby step at a time, but we're moving forward. He's created us beforehand for good works to fulfill his plan, his purpose. And he says that we should walk in it. Not somebody else's plan. We should just simply walk in the plan that God has for us. And as we do that, we're going to fulfill his plan, his purpose in each of our lives. You know, the Bible says in in Acts 10, verse 38, it talks about Jesus, how he went about doing good. I like that. Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The goodness that he did, part of it was healing those that were oppressed of the devil. What does he want from us? Since we've been created in his image, we're to go about doing good giving hope, bringing peace, giving assurance of individuals that God loves them, that God has a plan for them, that God has a purpose for them, doing good. See, it started with good, everything he created was good, and Jesus, who came to be good, to fulfill the plan, the purpose of God, went about doing good, and we've been created in his image, so that we can do the plans and purposes of God, which is to demonstrate his goodness to all that we come in contact with. Ecclesiastes 5.18 says this, here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labors in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. You know what? It's good for us to enjoy life. There's some people, they have this idea that if, if I'm enjoying life, something must be wrong. No, we're to enjoy life. God created us. To, to experience his goodness. And when we experience his goodness, life, is gonna be good. You know, I shared this last week. Sometimes, <clears throat> you know, I almost feel guilty because my life is so good. And it's not because I'm so good. It's because God's so good. Let's serve him. Let's follow his plan. As believers, life is good.
We may not see it yet. We may not have recognized it yet. But life is good because of the one whom we serve. Because we serve a good God, a loving God, who wants to demonstrate his goodness through us. Father, I thank you for your word that it's alive. I thank you, Father, that you are a good God, that you've demonstrated your goodness to each and every one of us in so many ways. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us, that we would open our spiritual eyes so we might see your goodness. Father, that we would no longer be blinded by the, the concerns and the cares of this world, of this life, but that we would open our eyes to see what you've provided for us in such abundance, that we'd no longer be moved by the circumstances and situations in life, but we'd be moved by your word, by the truth of your word. And then, Father, that we would represent you rightly, that in and through our lives, people would see how good you really are by the way we demonstrate it and the way we treat others. So, Father, thank you today that we could gather in the precious name of Jesus. I thank you for each of these precious individuals that have come out to this afternoon, this morning, to hear your word. And, Father, I pray that that word would be sealed by your Spirit, that we might take it and live it. Father, I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we might walk in the fullness of what you've made available to us in Jesus' name. Amen.